Hello and welcome to the Challenging University podcast with me, your host, Tony Kent. Now, if you leave university two years into your degree, does it mean it's all been a waste? Not for today's guest, Sam Darling. After the realisation that he was learning more at work and a frank conversation with his tutor revealed that he'd earned enough credits to secure a HND, Sam left university and continued a career story that started at the age of 16. Having already gained vast amounts of work experience and co-authored a popular book, Sam knew that industry was moving faster than the speed of his degree course and that opportunities to grow were there for the taking. In our conversation, we discuss growing up in an RAF family and feeling out of place at boarding school, the value of an early dyslexia diagnosis and support, why professional qualifications should be a priority, switching seamlessly between the worlds of cycling and cybersecurity, and why top government and security organizations are actively seeking neurodiverse people and how to spot their ads. This episode is a fantastic example of how leaving a degree course needn't mean time wasted and the vast opportunity that exists in a rapidly growing sector. Hi, Sam. Hello, Tony. <laughs> how yes. are you today? I'm, I'm good. Let's see if we can get this right. Thank you for agreeing to be on the challenging university podcast first episode with the new name so thank you I'm honored <laughs> privileged thank you so much for having me yeah it's been great uh, so we've worked together uh, a little bit um so we know a little bit about each other but for the listeners today and the listeners to come could you please share what your full name is and what it is that you do today yeah, certainly. So my name is Sam Darling, uh, D-A-R-L-I-N-G, interesting enough surname. Uh, growing up with Captain Blackadder and other things at school, that was uh, that was great fun. Luckily, I'm a very big chap, so six foot six and quite quite heavy, so yeah, I've managed to solve many an argument at school growing up with that. Um, but yeah, I wanted to share my experiences as to uh, my education experiences for uh, those who might be interested and to uh, see and discuss, uh, share with you how it is that I ended up doing what I do today um, and whether that had any relevance to university or not. So there we go. Okay. And what is it that you do today? So I'm currently a cybersecurity specialist within the advanced solutions team at TD Cynix. And for those of you who don't know who TD Cynix are, uh, we're the largest global distributor of IT uh, software and hardware and services, uh, currently doing around $65 billion a year in turnover globally. Okay, biggest company that you've never heard of. I've heard it. Correct. Huge organisation. Okay, well, we always start by going backwards in time to your memories of, and normally we start with memories of secondary school, Hmm. but you do have an especially interesting educational story. So feel free to start at the point where I remember. Yeah, it's relevant. Yeah, so um, I grew up in a RAF household, so a member of the services. Uh, my dad was a pilot for Queen's Flight. Uh, we're based out of RAF Norfolk. Uh, the Queen's Flight was called Thirty Two Squadron. And for many folks who have uh, grown up in that environment, um, you run the risk as a family of being posted abroad at a moment's notice, literally a moment's notice. And as parents at the time, my mum and dad thought, right, that may have an impact on education, that may have an impact on where we live and uh, friendship groups and things. So uh, the Air Force offer uh, options for those families mm-hmm. and the option is is that of a boarding school. So at the age of seven, uh, I was actually shipped off to a boarding school, uh, waved to mum and dad goodbye on the driveway oh. and uh, 
when it went inside for the next few years uh, to basically cut my teeth and uh, learn how to be quite independent and uh, grow up really. So uh, that, that's sort of where it started and the environment in which I found myself in and struggling in, to be honest. So, yeah. Mm. And where were you at school? Where was your Yeah, so uh, it's sort of always around the home counties, sort of around... Uh, from North Alton, RF Rice, uh, near Ryslip in North London, but also out towards Bishop Stortford. Um, so it was a, a prep school. Uh, it was about two hours away from where we lived at the time. And therefore, when you go on school holidays, which of course, from a boarding school's perspective, typically are a little bit longer. So mm -hmm. you, you break up for the holidays earlier and you go back later. Uh, you don't know anybody where you live because you don't yeah. go to school there. Uh, all your mates are miles away and dotted around the globe because it was quite mm. a sort of global um, attendance at the school. Um, and yeah, some of them were actually sort of picked up in the family's helicopter and taken <laughs> home. Uh, okay. Some of them were <laughs> chauffeured home. Um, and yeah. my mum, bless her, would turn up in her gardening frock uh, in the Nissan Micra uh, or possibly the Volvo if we were yeah. feeling uh, plush and we could afford the fuel um, yeah. to go home for a weekend, perhaps. So, yeah, slightly different reason for being there, really. Mm, and and for those and and actually I think and and to pause on this a minute because lots of people have ideas about what boarding school is and the types of families that and their children there. Mm. However, as you shared, there can be a mix. So you are from a horses family. I have a friend actually. He went because his dad was in the navy. Royal uh, navy. Royal yeah. Navy. Um, <laughs> so I'm intrigued to know, was it, it sounds like it wasn't just services families at the school. No, not at all. Yeah. No. So um, yeah, there was actually a really good mix. So uh, some of the families were scrap metal merchants. Uh, right. Some of them worked as sort of captains of industry. Uh, mm. Some of them worked in fuel and energy production. So uh, yeah, I remember one chap, he had his favorite chef in South Africa make <laughs> a meal for him and, f and had the, the meal flown onto the boarding school grounds so he could ha have his favorite meal. Um, wow. We, I remember sort of, you know, some of the kids talking about Reebok Air, Reebok Air and Reebok pumps, where you had the, uh, the yes, tongue I remember of the shoe. The little basketball. Yeah, yeah, we had Asda Air, Tony. Um, yeah. You know, it's <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> very opposite yeah. end of the spectrum. But it was, it was interesting to meet those people, understand mm. their lives and where they came from. And mm. uh, when the rare occasion came up where we could actually spend some time together, it's a case where we could sort of just share stories really and just, you know, figure out what we're all about. So it's a good melting pot, a mixing pot. Yeah. Um, and I guess at that point in time, you are all children who are yep. who were there, but who who are there because your parents have made a decision for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, what was expected then for you? Did you go? Did you stay within the? private school system was, no I, I hate it because you know just not really kind of having much to you know um, compare with or you know didn't really kind of gel and get in get into that sort of world that much so um, I also felt that being uh, tarred with the same brushes is not the right word but I was felt that I was sort of pigeonholed 
So if you like, I was always a big chap. So when I was 11, I hit five foot 11. Uh, oh, wow. I played rugby quite a lot. So I was quite a yeah. big chap, quite strong. Um, yeah. And I think it was quite clean or cl quite clear to me that they uh, wanted me for just more than my academic abilities. So I was, to be honest, uh, one of those individuals mm -hmm. that found myself in sort of year group, you know, one, and then it would be set Y and then set yeah. four of set Y and then, you know, year group two, set Y, right. set four. Mm -hmm. So I was actually taken out of uh, some of the, you know, things like Latin and classical civilization to try and learn. And actually I was taken out of those classes to go and learn um, just the core subjects, you know, English maths. Um, mm. And I actually had a special needs teacher, uh, Mrs. Mm -hmm. Waller. So big shout out to Mrs. Waller, God bless her. Yeah. Uh, she, she, I'll be honest with you, she kind of cured my dyslexia. Ah, so did, did, was your di dyslexia diagnosed? Did yeah, you... so I went through all right. the formal tests and the education boards and things and, uh, you know, mildly, you know, dyslexia, I should politely suggest, but um, I always struggled. So having that extra time in the exams, having those mm -hmm. extra lessons with Mrs. Waller, she taught me the tricks, the tools, she equipped me with the yeah. tools to be able to um, sort of succeed really and, and get going. And then to be honest, this was sort of at the time where computers were starting to being used. So it was a little yeah. while back, hence the gray hairs. Um, but when spell checkers came about, I was I was relieved. You know, it made my life a lot easier. Uh, it took yeah. a lot of the guesswork out and trying to learn the shape of words. Um, yeah, as in, you know, okay. the tall, tall, spiky letters, short letters, uh, trying right. to learn the shape of words. It took a lot of pressure off. So actually that opened up a lot of mind space. So I could then absorb more. Um, okay. So. so you're in an environment where they've gone, he's a tall, well-built lad. He'll play rugby. Um, but you've got the extra help uh, uh, learning with yeah. dyslexia and how to kind of like you say use the tips and tricks um, that would work for you yes where where do you go from there then because you said you, yeah. you don't feel so, you kind of fit in it's not right for you yeah absolutely I think I also it was an all boys school so you know that had a, okay. a certain <laughs> element to yeah. which made me as I was growing up and becoming a sort of young teenager I was thinking crikey there's a, there's a whole wide world out there so I'll be <laughs> honest I actually begged my mum and dad I said look please take me out of this at the next natural mm. break in the in the sort of year groups um, and just put me in the normal local school um, yeah. And at the time, my dad had actually been posted out, luckily in the UK still, but uh, we'd moved from Ryslip out to uh, near High Wycombe, a place called Marlow mm -hmm. on the River mm -hmm. Thames, um, which funnily enough now is where Softcat have one of their main offices. So it's, it's a yeah. small, small world, this, isn't it? Yeah. There we go. Um, <laughs> so I grew up in Marlow and I, I literally begged them. I said, look, I've got to go to the local school. I want to meet some girls. Uh, I want to realize what normal paced education is like. And mm -hmm. I couldn't wait to just get into that normal environment of going mm. to the local school and getting to know some local friends, uh, yeah. some of whom I still know today. So, um, yeah, said goodbye to boarding school, walked yeah. into the local local secondary school, Great Marla at the top of the hill, um, mm -hmm. and really flourished there, really had some great teachers, had some great mentors um, who looked after me and understood, you know, what I was, what I was up for and interested in business studies and IT. Um, mm -hmm. And that really sparked my passion for using IT equipment, uh, you know, being involved in this world as IT distribution as well. So it mm -hmm. sort of sparked that journey, really, from an education perspective. Uh, I did all right, you know, uh, had some fun. What, what did you do for GCSE? Or, uh... Yeah, oh, God, Lord. it was like 11 of them, I think it was. Uh, wow. Them were a year early, uh, all of them yeah. A to C grades. So all right. At, at that stage, <laughs> I seemed to have some sort of academic ability, but... Um, <laughs> Yeah, not the brightest tool, uh, not the sharpest tool in the box, but um, I did all right.
Yeah, well, I would say if you took a couple early, I'm kind of, it's interesting because what I really like is how you said, you know, you had that uh, diagnosis of dyslexia, you were given the support that you needed, and then it's not kind of got in your way, held you back. And actually putting me in the right environment that enabled me to sort of continue learning and developing in my way. Um, yeah. I actually stayed on with that school to do the sixth form college as well, ah, because I, I could okay. feel that it was a it was a sensible progression. Um, mm-hmm. So I did an extra couple of years, did a GNVQ. So this yep. was sort of in the days, I don't think I'd have done well at A-levels, um, but okay. I think a, a more sort of practical applied learning yep. uh, seemed to suit me. Um, yep. Sort of coursework that you could build upon rather than just a memory test. Um, yes. and, a, and a sort of, pardon me for saying it, it's a horrible term, but regurgitation of, you know, things is just got to see how much you can retain and then, yeah. you know, get it all out on paper. That's not the way my brain works best. So, um, no. yeah, I think that sort of coursework and, you know, continuous assessment is quite a, quite useful for me in my learning. And, and what did you do your GNVQs? In? Yeah, so that was, that was, it sounds really glor- glamorous, but it, I'm sure it wasn't. It's advanced business studies with IT uh, and French. So I ended up working oh, okay. in France for a few months as well. Um, okay. Was over there. So I worked for AXA Assurance uh, in a place called marley uh, mm-hmm. which is the tin t- twin town of Marlow. Uh, we stayed in a uh-huh. auberge de jeunesse for a few months yeah. and there was four yeah. of us in, in total and we went over there and enjoyed some nightlife life had some really good nights out work during yeah. the day and uh, I was sort of partner with a chap uh, French chap Stefan who's doing an international baccalaureate yeah and it, mm-hmm. it became very clear to me there was a big difference between a GMVQ and an international baccalaureate um, okay. so yeah I just sort of acknowledged my place in the world at that point and thought that's that's where I'm comfortable that's where I'm good I'll focus there so yeah okay um, and out of interest then so is the international baccalaureate more challenging i would say so yeah it requires a a different level of academic ability in my opinion uh that was my experience at the time so um but yeah it was was good from an experience perspective to be out living in france at the age of what 18 or so uh it's really good really good times and culture music food uh learning some language so it's good très bien Um, (laughs) (laughs) um what was the expectation then now because your story does differ from some of the other people we featured and the listeners you, yeah. will hear well, this, this. Is so I, what's, yeah. what's next i really appreciate you, you sort of inviting me on to discuss this because uh i guess i fit in the sort of group of well actually i did but i kind of didn't and i didn't mm. really succeed or like it there so i kind of jumped out early so let me just mm-hmm. explain on that so um yeah at the end of university I didn't really have a clear direction but what I had been doing is working in a local business all the way through school and college mm-hmm. and the owner of that business um actually said to me look you know what, what are your plans what would you like to do because there's an offer of uh, mm-hmm. another business arm that you could go and run and have as a you know manage it on your own um, and work with me on it. And um, I, was, I was sort of bowled over by that. Oh, that's incredibly mm. generous, you know. Um, so I sort of sat down and took stock of the options, really. And without any clear indicational pathway that I chose, um, mm. it was sort of, I don't know if I was encouraged or it just seemed to work out, but it was mm. not necessarily expected, but uh, just seemed to make sense to go to university. But mm-hmm. I didn't want to leave that job. I, I had several girlfriends in the I mean, I had a girlfriend in the area. Uh, I wanted to go and uh, continue to work in the area. Uh, I yeah. love the area. So why on earth would I want to go and move away to university yeah. and, and do something like that? So um, I decided to commute. Uh, so yeah. I actually drove from Marlow into the Chalfonts to the, the business mm-hmm. school at uh, 
uh, Buckinghamshire University. And yeah, I, I somehow, Tony, signed up for an international marketing degree with French IT, uh, I, yes, you know, all sorts of things. So, wow. Um, yeah, not quite sure yeah. how and why that happened, but I'll be honest, yeah. I did bite off more than I could chew. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I'm in, intrigued. Um, I'm just making some notes here yeah. because you've kind of had a clear, it would seem, a clear kind of theme throughout your education where you said you enjoyed IT, you enjoyed business. Very much so. You started working with a local business. Um, and then for your GMBQ, Advanced Business Studies, which I didn't even know was a thing, <laughs> with French as an international flavour. And then you've gone on. To, so for an international marketing degree. Um, so there has been that clear, I guess, route into the world of business. Yeah, um, <clears throat> yeah I guess from my perspective, it was a case of these are the things that I, I found interesting. These yeah, are the things yeah. that I, were, I was learning about outside of education as well. And yeah. that's really where the conflict started to happen, to be honest, because mm. I'd been helping managing this local business. We had some fantastic success uh, in terms of PR. We had mm -hmm. some really good contracts with some massive global names. We yeah. had, you know, Rank Xerox, we had uh, Nokia, we had Motorola on our books. You know, mm -hmm. we were doing all sorts of corporate hospitality. We had a leisure and tourism side to the business. We had mm -hmm. servicing and maintenance and repairs. So it, although it was, it was a local business, it was actually boxing way outside of its, its sort of, you know, uh, its, its yeah. champion weight. Um, and we had some really good success over the years we even wrote a book uh, so mm -hmm. myself and the business owner we wrote a book when I was 16 uh, it went to you know print and press and uh, we did really well with that it was stopped by WH Smith and local stationers so we had an income from a book that we'd written um, yeah. and well, it, and the book is it still in print and if so what's no it it's on its third edition now under under a slightly different guise but uh, oh. this was back in the early to mid 90s so it's a long while ago but um, it did very well for itself and uh, yeah I was really grateful for giving the opportunity to do that um, so I, having learned all of this and, and being so close to it and being involved in it outside of education all the way through my education yeah. really from the age of sort of 16 and upwards at yeah. university this is this is where the conflict came so I was learning so much about business in the real world actually doing yeah. it you know part-time yeah. in the evenings after uni after college yeah. at the weekends um, and I could really start to see myself having a career in that space yet mm. at university being asked to study quantitative methods and, uh, you know, producing reports on marketing plans for uh, perfume mm. companies. It just didn't seem to correlate. It just didn't seem to mean anything in terms of the real world. So my, that's mm. where my sort of conflict started, really. And the subject matter in terms of business and IT and using equipment, fantastic. But I, I was already doing that in my day job uh, yeah. and, and doing very well at it. And uh, I kind of disenfranchised I was, I was you know not really uh yeah. impressed by what I was doing at uni so um yeah not, um, not what did impressed. your lecturers think of you <laughs> not being impressed with what you oh, I had some fantastic arguments really humdingers <laughs> I think they could be described as so yeah. um one of the chaps was talking to me about special offers and value versus cost and yeah. we had this brilliant argument over the the special offer and toilet rolls and you know he's trying to argue his case for buying 18 toilet rolls for the price of nine was a better offer than three yeah. for the price of two or something like that yeah and I said but if I buy 18 toilet rolls I'm going to need to yeah. buy warehousing 
Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, where do you store all these things? And if you scale yes. that up, where does that problem? He didn't like that one bit. We had a good right. good argument in the classroom there about that. And yeah. another chap started to talk to me about uh, whether a cup was half empty or half full. Okay. I argued that it depended on the previous state, because if it was an empty cup and you poured it half mm -hmm. full, I'd argue that it's now half full. If you had a full cup <laughs> and you tipped half out, yeah. I'd argue that it's now half empty. He didn't yeah. like that either. So uh, yeah, we had some really good arguments, and I just I just didn't see it you know applicable to to real world at all. Um, yeah, yeah. there's there's a philosophical thing in there, isn't it? About if you're a glass half full person, you you think. When everything's a bonus, but if your glass <laughs> half empty, you think something's been taken away from yeah, you. Yeah, I'm I'm at a loss. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Like he didn't okay. like that one bit, but yeah. Okay. Um, I was very lucky. I had a yeah. good year, year tutor, year head. Uh, yeah. So I sat down with her one day and said, "Look, I've kind of reached uh, a point now where I'm I'm wanting to leave, and I'm yeah. I'm learning more outside of these four walls, and I'm learning inside yeah. them." Yeah. Um, what have I got? What do I need to get yeah. in order to not waste the last two years? Mm -hmm. um, and how do I kind of ma manage this, you know, manipulate it? How do I get something out yeah. of it? Um, so it turned out I had nearly enough credits for an HND and I thought, right, you know, absolutely fine. And mm -hmm. basically left with my with my diploma up my arm and, and thought, thank you very much. I'm off. Um, yeah. And yeah, put plans and, in place. And that's, see, this is something that I didn't know was possible and I was I've been speaking to people it kind of about what what the options are when you're at uni I've got friends whose children are either there yes. or have not gone or are thinking about going mm. and I didn't know that you could say I've done two years can I convert this into something because I heard somebody say you mustn't waste mm. at two years and you know and then leave yeah. So it's not necessarily wasted. Is Certainly for me at that time, yeah, say. it was well worth having yeah. that conversation because for those who mm. literally dropped out and disappeared, they would have left with potentially, you know, if they were only a few credits away from what have you, then yeah. you know, they'd have wasted a lot. So it's, please, 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 I encourage anybody out there, have the conversation with those, you know, that are there to support you. Uh, don't be yeah. afraid of reaching out and just talk to people about it because there are people who are very knowledgeable, their experience in this world about you know what are the options what is a what is achievable yeah. what's available to you um yeah. and and you know forgive me i can't remember her name but she just sat down and said yep yeah, okay let's have a proper good look at where you're at, at the moment um yeah. and all of my my credits that i'd accumulated at that point yeah. um there was you know i think i had two or three more assignments to do you know piece of work to produce and then that was it yeah. and i thought fantastic i can i can leave without having wasted that time and leave with my head held high yeah. um but yeah, I couldn't wait to leave. To be honest, Tony, I was, I was literally gasping to, you know, chomping at the bit to yeah. get out there in the real world of business and start, start cutting my teeth. So yeah. And um, so at the point you left, so you've left, you've got HND, so nothing has been wasted. You have a job anyway, so you've been earning the whole time. Mm. Um, what happens next? Do you continue? Yeah, you, you kind of sit down and go, ooh. Now what? You know, you've yeah. got to take stock, haven't you? And you've got to sort of take a moment and think very clearly what you'd mm -hmm. like to try and do. So in my opinion, it's the, what have I got so far? What what skills have I got? What transferable skills do I do I feel like I can offer? Mm -hmm. um, even if they've been perhaps uh, chiseled and honed in one industry, perhaps they're applicable and relevant in another. So I sat down and spoke with my family, my friends, and uh, the actually the employer of the business that I was working at. And he encouraged me. He said, look, you know, why don't you write to the suppliers? 
you know, mm -hmm. the, the vendors, if you like, of this business mm -hmm. and, um, you know, see what opportunities are out there in the commercial side. So mm -hmm. wrote my CV out, uh, had a couple of drafts of that put together, uh, got some help um, making it look right and sound right and making sure it's all mm -hmm. relevant and concise. Um, and uh, yeah, a lovely little company on the South Coast got in touch. Uh, I went to work in Bristol um, for mm -hmm. a little while and the similarities would you believe within the cycling industry and the leisure and tourism industry and, and the IT industry are very, very similar. So we have distributors, we have vendors, we have brands, uh, yeah. we then have uh, resellers or retailers. Uh, sometimes yeah. they've got retail premises. So there are some really common themes there where I found you know, what I'm doing today very similar um, and yeah. working in that sort of distribution supply chain. Um, yeah. And, so, and yeah. you were supplying lots of tech firms from what you said when you were working. Yeah, absolutely. Company. Yeah, it was it was a case where I went off to work with some of the you know really really you know, industry leading brands, and mm. there was actually a distributor that I worked at who had about three hundred different brands on their books, um, and supplying them into retailers and, and resellers in the UK. Um, mm. So yeah, very very similar, very parallel really. Um, yeah. Very similar setup, so everything's familiar. <laughs> yeah, good. and and what what was your first step into the tech world then? Yeah, so um, my mum died. Um, so in the cycling industry, in the leisure industry, um, my mum was unfortunately di diagnosed with cancer. Uh, mm. This is around year 2000, 2001. Mm. And it's very clicky. It's a very small industry. Everybody knows mm. people. So uh, I had to go to a lot of these shows where uh, colleagues, friends, um, acquaintances were sort of saying, oh, you know, hi, Sam, how's your mum? So yeah. I had to sort of share with them that news and, you know, uh, and the update that she'd unfortunately passed. And I just mm. wanted a bit of a clear break. Uh, from the cycling yeah. side so uh, i actually rode my bike around uh, around france and in a bit of a nod oh. um and did a lot of traveling around the uk as well and yeah. after a few months got back with only a few hundred quid in my pocket and i thought yeah. i better, better take life seriously you know make mum proud yeah. um and i walked into a local recruitment agency would you believe in yeah. milton Keynes, uh, in buckinghamshire and i said this is me this is my background yeah. this is what i've been doing um mm -hmm any suggestions and they said have you heard of ingram micro oh, again, you, you right. joked earlier you said yeah. td cynics you know the, one of the largest companies nobody's ever heard of yeah. well, again ingram micro is a bit like that um yeah. ever so slightly smaller um but yeah similar scale and mm -hmm. went to work for them um in their account management team smb sales so small to medium yeah. businesses small to medium yeah. enterprise um and I was really grateful for the opportunity. I actually worked with some great people. So Barrington Atkinson, bless him, mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, Bhavish Patel, mm -hmm. a few others uh, sort of stalwarts of the industry. Um, mm. And yeah, really sort of enjoyed my time there. Started to win spiff prizes, Tony. So yeah. spiff prizes. <laughs> love a being spiff able to day. Love a spiff day. Um, maybe to take some cannon prizes home and bits and pieces. And oh. yeah, I really enjoyed my time there and met some good friends who are now, you know, still, still friends with today. Um, we should, we should say, I'm going to have a guess, Spiff, sales, performance, yeah, incentive, incentive or, yeah, focus, yeah, yeah, focus, whatever, yeah, do you think um, that, because you said you've completely sort of switched industries, and do you think that the tech industry is somewhere where it is perhaps easier to get in or because I know lots of people say oh, I ended up in tech I fell into tech I went into tech from uh, freight forwarding so I wonder if there is something about the industry that is perhaps a little more open 
protective yes, people from Yes, it's inclusive, other definitely. And I think there's a massive appreciation of diversity within uh, mm. the sort of tech industry as well, certainly with mm. the cybersecurity now, uh, mm. really heavily recognized as a, as a sort of skill set that's worthwhile adding into cybersecurity around diversity. So that's very prominent. Um, I think it's just, you know, good transferable skills. It's, you know, yeah. able to conduct a conversation, hold a conversation with, with peers as well as, uh, yeah. you know, people who are higher up in the organization um, and appreciation of the technology. You know, I've always been a bit yeah. of a, uh, an adopter of, of technology. I like technology. I like using it mm -hmm. because it helps me, uh, you know, in certain areas of my life. So I, I like that. Um, mm. And I think as an employer, certainly a local employer, uh, both TDC and Ingram Micro do a great job of recruiting local uh, uh, and inclusive talent because, you know, mm. even most recently, one of our company updates, our MD, David Watts said, um, you know, we want our local offices to represent the local recruitment area. You know, and that's, mm. that's important to people. So, because um, yeah. people do business with people, don't they? Um, they do. So. They do. Yeah. Um, the winning your Spiff prizes. Yeah. Taking home your Canon stuff. That's being, it. Being, going on holidays. Yeah, yeah. Happy. yeah going yeah. on holidays. Vouchers for MS. Johnny Palmer um, race days, yeah. Caps <laughs> yeah. vouchers, yeah, yeah. All of those things. Yeah. <laughs> um, where do you go from that? How does that lead you down a route into cybersecurity? Yeah, so um, after a few years, I was, I was promoted internally, thankfully, to business management. Um, mm -hmm. So I looked after launching a vendor called Acer Computers into mm -hmm. the UK channel, which is great yeah. fun, challenging. Uh, they always wanted a sort of month's worth of inventory in the air, on the sea. Right and in the yeah. warehouse and under your desk. So I think yeah. a lot of people working in the time would have would have felt that pressure. Um, and yeah, yeah it's great fun, learned a lot. Um, and at that time, actually, an opportunity came by uh, because the Sony business manager was leaving the business to go and work in uh, Ingram Micro Europe. Um, and I was asked to look after Sony. And it was an interesting one because when they when they sort of handed the franchise to me, they said, oh, look, this, this won't ever, be, ever become anything. I was like, okay, how come? Well, we've never really got anything from them. We've never really engaged. We've never really had any traction. We've never really done any business. I said, okay, well, let me let me sink my teeth into it and let's see what happens. And within 12 months, we'd hit target with Sony for the first time in 14 years. Wow. Um, so they were very, very pleased with our performance. Um, yeah. And yeah, just brought in, you know, some really good success stories internally. Um, mm -hmm. And then a lovely value add distributor. So if you if you imagine at the time, Ingram Micro yeah. would be widely recognised as a broadliner. Um, a value add distributor uh, mm -hmm. got in touch in North London called Computers Unlimited, uh, mm -hmm. run, run by James Sanson his team um chat called alan clark got in touch the commercial director and he said look you know would you be interested in doing similar things that you've done with sony and acer but for us would you like to come work with the apple team here uh, along with consumer audio and other brands and uh, we do a lot of business with apple store um mm -hmm. so on third-party products so that sort of led further into the it distribution channel but then 2008 2009 the financial crisis hit yeah and i thought okay this is where the world goes slightly bad and i was mm. in the world of selling high-end consumer it equipment and consumer yeah. audio equipment at a time where the banking financial crisis sort of yeah. hit so in all honesty the writing was on the wall it was very yeah. clear uh, so i took an opportunity to to go and do something different for a few years so i set up my mm -hmm. own business ran my own business for 11 years <laughs> wow um, i was in in the cycling world again uh, so I did okay. that that was a, do, a doing of... do what just like this has come from out of the blue what yeah so <laughs> ran my own business for 11 years so um i had an idea a uh, very low opex low very low yeah. cost of startup and yeah. sat down with an accountant one day and said you know i think this will work what do you think yeah 
you know, yeah, let's go for it. So um had six pints of cider to tell my wife what I was trying to do and said, look, this is an idea that I've got. I think it I think it'll work. Oh, and by the way, I've I've fashioned an agreement that's given me the ability to keep the house over you know, the roof over our heads for a good mm-hmm. good few years. Um, why don't we give it a go? And yeah. that Thursday night we found out we're pregnant. Um, so it was a perfect, perfect timing where I could work from home, work the hours I chose, uh, see both children be, you know, grow up and be part of that and, um, be around for them. And yeah, yeah, it was actually in the cycling world. So run my own business. Um, it was also a training business. So I worked very closely with a company where we delivered internationally recognized training qualifications, um, to sort of reduce. Yeah, well, in cycle maintenance and uh, right. you know and, and repairs, so basically yeah. to reduce litigation across the cycling industry. Ah, um, okay. So did that for a little while. Uh, that's great fun. Yeah. And then COVID hit, and it was like, okay. good lord, these big these big storms. Right? These things yeah. are sent to test us. So yeah. when COVID hit, I thought, right, oh. I heard the headlines that the people who are trying to develop the fa- the vaccine were mm. under cyber attacks. Uh-huh. And that, that hit a nerve. I just couldn't let yeah. lie. That was just, mm. that is like the lowest of the low, isn't it? You know, we're trying yeah. to save humanity, you know, and, yeah. and these people are going after these these, these centers yeah. that are trying to develop the vaccine. And I kind of saw the light between uh, the IT distribution industry as well as cybersecurity um, mm-hmm. and thought, right, that, that's it. So luckily I was uh, approached by a company down here on the South Coast, yeah. a, a European antivirus vendor. They said, look, come work for us. So I had to learn a hell of a lot really quickly. Had some fantastic teachers. So thank you to Ben and Alex and uh, Will and Darren. Uh, They taught me a lot uh, and they're really good teachers. So just going back to that university uh, and challenging university uh, theme, I've learned so much from the best teachers who are outside of education. Yeah. You know, I, I, I hold them in very high regard on a pedestal yeah. Um, yeah. and at the time that's again just a reminder to me of the conflict I felt at university of learning so little um, and yeah. that I felt was relevant for the real world whereas out in the real you know in the real world in business I had these yeah. fantastic mentors that were able to share and impart their knowledge uh, as subject matter experts with me so picked up cybersecurity. Uh, absolutely love it really <laughs> really have a passion for it and the last three four years yeah, yeah. Um, um, can I can I ask a, a question because it's going to bother me and I think mm. people listening might go I want to know how that happened how did you stay on the radar for people within the tech industry when you're running a business that is focused on the cycling community yeah so good old LinkedIn you know and ah. even even just sort of just personal messages you know and yeah. events that I'd go to um mm. it was quite clear when we had the training side of the business people were visiting you know our workshop and coming from all over the world um mm. to gain this qualification and mm. funnily enough actually one one session Tony you'll love this one chap turned up and as I was doing my introductions I said my name darling you know people yeah, remember yeah. it and he said yeah. I've got your book and he just sat bolt upright and looked at me and goes, I've got your book. I was like, oh, come on, you're joking, aren't you? And he said, no, 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 I've got a copy. If I bring it in tomorrow, would you do it? I was like, oh, please. And I, I thought it was a wind-up, yeah. but yeah, bless him. So yeah, all walks of life and just k- keeping in contact yeah. with friends and, um, you know, Patrick and, and Matt at Ingram Micro, I worked so closely with over many years, just keeping in touch. You know, they come to the wedding, they come to the funerals, um, yeah. they go to the, the you know, the, the events and when we catch up every now and then. So that was just a way of keeping up to speed and, uh, and see what was happening but certainly mm. the cybersecurity industry moves at such a pace 
and it almost a, a completely different pace to the IT distribution world as well. You know, every single day in cybersecurity, there's something yeah. happening. Uh, it's really yeah. volatile like that. And I think this is a great sort of area to explore and something that, you know, you and I have spoken about before. But if if you were to sort of listen to some people in education, they would say, oh, well, so they would look at you, Sam, and say, well, you must have a computer science degree. You must have. Nope. <laughs> and, and neither a requirement to have one either. Yeah, you don't need one. And I think it's this emphasis, as you say, when you were doing your um, international marketing, you were doing that at the same time as operating in a business that works across Europe. Yep. And there are some things where I guess it depends on if you're learning the basics or you're learning... Uh, methodologies or best practice or things like that that are useful but as you say in cyber security we know that it is moving so rapidly and the point of entry is becoming very sort of the cost the, the cost point of entry is becoming very low very anyone so. could launch a cyber attack now you can't spend four years at uni no, you'd, if, if you if you started that journey, a four year yeah. journey now, it would be yeah. it would be three or four five times out of date by the time you finished it compared to what it was started at, you know started at. So, no, I, I don't yeah. believe that's a requirement now. Just so we're clear on this, I believe that when mm -hmm. it comes to professional certification and qualification, for yes. example, if you want to be an analyst uh, yeah. or a, an incident response you know individual within cybersecurity, then absolutely there may well be a requirement and perhaps compliance regulatory kind of uh, enforcement where perhaps you need some letters after your name but in mm -hmm. order to actually work and actually have a career within cybersecurity, no you do not need uh, a computer science degree you do not need a, uh, a whole load of letters after your name uh, it's a yeah. fascinating world it's ever ever so dynamic and um, in fact, actually, if you look at the most recent recruitment campaigns from the likes of Bank of America, GCHQ, the National Cybersecurity Center, they actually go about writing their job adverts uh, in a specific manner that is going to attract those with ADHD, ADD, dyspraxia, dyslexia autism mm. so they are recognizing the value of a neurodiverse workforce within cybersecurity and it's yeah. the fact that you know pattern recognition recognizing certain behaviors within a threat as the analysis takes place um, a, a neurodiverse audience looking at that and, and more than one set of eyes don't just give it to one person in the team to have a look at it yeah. share that same problem amongst the team get different perspectives that's really really important for cybersecurity. in fact some of the most fantastic speakers that i've heard uh, present at uh, keynote speaks you know within within cybersecurity. the first thing they do is they walk on stage and they say i can't read i can't write i can hardly make head nor tail of what i'm here to talk to you about today but i'm an expert in cybersecurity, and this is what i'm here to share with you today and their yeah. message and their story is is absolutely relevant it's it's applicable um, and it's it's relatable as well because people are you know it's in the headlines people know that yeah. this is happening and it's it's frequent yeah and something that sort of strikes me about the work that you do is well from my perspective it seems like you do an awful lot of helping to educate other people yeah 
I have a real passion for that. It's something I want to share. I was the beneficiary of many of these good teachers um, and people who imparted their knowledge and understanding with me. So I feel almost duty bound to sort of share some of it uh, onwards and upwards. So um, yeah, I'm currently, um, would you believe now, 16 episodes into a series that I've written around uh, cybersecurity awareness. Uh, it's, it involves the, the really nasty stuff that you find on the dark yeah. web. Um, some of the services around ransomware and dis, uh, denial of distribution of service, uh, denial of service attacks, mm -hmm. the phishing attacks as a service that are available on the dark web. And then it goes yeah. through crypto mining and cryptocurrencies and how Bitcoin's affected the planet uh, and what yeah. we do in cybersecurity. And really one of the most popular ones is, is I, I quite like coming up with interesting names for these things, uh, Tony. So mm -hmm. one of them I've called, we need to discuss your behavior. <laughs> and when you, when you send that as a subject line on an email to somebody, yeah. whether it's a partner principal or a director, they sometimes take note quite quickly yeah. and they go, good Lord, what have I done? Um, and it's yeah. around behavioral EDR and it's understanding how our solutions track yeah. and monitor behavior to the point where they can start to predict next steps. So if yeah. a threat was received here and it went there and then it tried to do this, well, what's yeah. it likely to try and do next? And if that's encryption, if that's password, if that's exfiltration of data out of somebody's estate, um, mm -hmm. we need to, to understand the, the, the techniques and the tactics and procedures used, these indicators of compromise. So again, just, just a fairly niche area of cybersecurity, but absolutely fascinating, mm -hmm. incredibly relevant for what we're, we're talking about today. Um, I'm sorry to say it, but I didn't, didn't learn a thing about it at uni. <laughs> and <laughs> um, are they in the public domain? Yeah, very much so. Yeah, they are. So listeners could. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I've written the series. Some of them are recording. Some of the content is pretty close, a bit edgy, should we say? So some of them will uh, have censored uh, slides, um, but yeah, yeah, they can get in touch with us at TD Senates and uh, and have a listen to them. And to be honest, the the most value is actually on face to face. Uh, so we're doing a, mm -hmm. an event coming up at the Churchill War Museum, uh, yeah. and I'm hoping to do a piece around behavioural uh, technologies there. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a really right. fun, interesting series for people. The feedback so far has been very, very, very positive. Fantastic. Um, you mentioned that you have got children. Yeah. So when I speak to people who are parents, I ask, how do your experiences inform the kind of advice you might give to your children? This assumes that they're willing to listen yeah. to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I guess, okay, each their own here. Okay, a little, little disclaimer. Okay, this is my opinion mm. and my thoughts. Mm. Um, I and my wife are in the same agreement that we won't put pressure on our children to go through uh, higher education. Um, mm. If they want to, fine. We'll try and facilitate that as best we can. We'll try and encourage that if they want, uh, if they want to go down that route. Mm. But I certainly won't put pressure on them. Uh, and I'll mm. never make them feel that they should or would need to do that, mm. especially, to be honest, based on my own experiences. Um, mm. And even some of the, the most you know, fantastic colleagues and businesses that I've worked in, the individuals, you know, even higher up the food chain, um, they're not mm. necessarily ex-university. So to me and graduates, so to me, it's it's just not a necessary part of life now. Um, mm. I, I, I genuinely challenge that thought. Um, I think the... You know, for my two two children, chalk and cheese comes to mind. So one is uh, currently learning how to do Japanese maths with with me. Um, wow! Very different approach. I set him a challenge the other night for for a treat, and he absolutely nailed it. And I thought, okay, he's very capable. He's just doing his sats, right. and he was he was expected to overachieve. Uh, and yeah. the other one 
does the most fantastic pictures and paintings you could ever wish for and you think yeah. okay yet uh you know equal and opposites no no strength yeah. in the you know in the opposing yeah. uh subject so i think you've got to realize as a parent what strengths each child has and that they are unique and different and support where you can um gentle encouragement you know a little bit of support definitely um mm. but yeah encourage strong encouragement i'd, I'd feel quite Mm. quite against that to be fair um mm. i would i would welcome them to get out in terms of work at the earliest mm. opportunity whether it's part-time work you know cutting your teeth in retail dealing with the great british public you know yeah, yeah. Um, a yeah. lot of us who have grown up in that space have, have benefited i yeah. believe from from working in that and and it's a good yeah. grounding you know it teaches you a lot from an early age um, yeah how to conduct yeah. yourself, how to treat people, treat others as yeah. you'd wish to be treated. So I'd, yeah. I'd really encourage that from them. I'd, I'd probably perhaps put a little bit more effort into ushering them along that that path uh, mm. in terms of working from an early age alongside whatever level of education they want to to continue to. But um, mm. yeah, I, I'm not not really going to put any pressure on them to go to uni. I'm afraid. Yeah, no, and that's and that's something that I find. I think it is that you know you're working in a sector and within a discipline that is like an extremely um, is desirable industry to work in and it's an industry that's growing and yep. that needs fresh talents constantly recruiting mm. and you don't have to have Correct. a degree education in order to do that but I loved what you had to say actually about professional certification and yeah, that absolutely. Kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, you know, it, this this goes sort of down to any sort of uh, industry or any sort of professional, um, you know, avenue. So, you know, to be a barrister, to be a lawyer, to be a solicitor, yeah. you'd have to go through a certain pathway of learning mm. uh, and have the right letters after your name, right? Yeah. Um, and I think there are roles within cybersecurity that would require that. Um, mm. I'm doing a piece recently uh, in the next few weeks about uh, a day in the life of a pen tester, uh, yeah. a penetration tester for those who aren't familiar with it. And you know, certainly those guys have had to go through a certain process and you know learnings yeah. to be able to get to that uh, position in life and and do that role but again mm. there are plenty of other roles within cybersecurity where it's absolutely not required you know a, a mm. requirement for that so yeah get into it okay well i've got two more questions for you Go for uh it. the first the first one is what do you think has held you in good stead throughout your rich and varied career because <laughs> it has been I think positive attitude, definitely being mm -hmm. positive, approachable, um, you know, uh, recognizing one's strengths, weaknesses. Um, and I just can't help, you know, but thank mum and dad for giving me a good, good starting in life. I think, you know, I was, I was lucky enough to have that good, good basis um, and sort of background. Um, but yeah, find, find an environment in which you can flourish. And, and, you know, for me right now to have such high level of support and encouragement from the leadership team within TD Senate. Bless them, they've just given me a, a, an award. Uh, so I've just won European Cybersecurity Champion Award within wow, the business. Wow, congratulations. Which is, which is really, thank you. Yeah, it's just really nice to sort of get that recognition. And I, I, I personally thrive off that. I really like that. Uh, yeah. Chuffed to bits with it. So I was like, hey, yeah. great. First thing I did, I <laughs> said to the kids, oh, come and see this. Um, and yeah, I think find the environment in which you flourish. Um, yeah. And and don't be afraid of just saying, do you know what? This isn't working out. You know, yeah. let's 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 cut and re. You know, just take stock again. And um, you know, 
Andy Holbrook, who is a, a, a colleague at Sony that I work with very closely, who's actually ex Computer 2000 back in the day, so oh, pre-tech right, data, yeah. same company. Yeah, yeah. Um, he taught me a lot, you know, great, great yeah. individual that I got to work with. And he, he was actually a barber before he joined Sony. He was oh, wow. cutting hair and yeah, he, wow. did, he did seven partner event uh, presentations for us at Ingram Micro, mm -hmm. you know, verbatim, you know, back to yeah. back, you know, an entire yeah. day of these Sony presentations. And I said to Mandy, yeah. that, that was, that's almost inhumane, you know, how on earth did he do that? He used yeah. to be a hairdresser and he's right. just, we're going on the holidays. Yeah, just yes. talk all day. Yeah. Um, wow. And he, yeah, great, great individual to work with over the years, many, many years ago. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, just find, find the avenue in which you're comfortable get the right environment in which supports you and encourages you and embrace that, you know, deliver back. Definitely. Right. Okay. And my last question is, yeah. and you may not wish to divulge Ooh. the answer to this. Um, what's next? Oh, <laughs> okay. That's a lovely Secret. question. I'm going to, I'm going to lay my heart on the line actually. And I'll say I am about two inches away from my dream job. Oh, wow. Okay. Very, wow, very that close. is so, exciting. So wow. from TD Cynic's perspective and my current role talking about cybersecurity um, as, a, as a business development manager, you know, my dream job, I think, would be cybersecurity evangelist or cybersecurity mm. champion, however you care to pronounce, you know, whatever that, that description is now, but to deal with the dealer part and the, the partner principles that we deal with and to increase awareness because so many of the corporate slide decks that we sit through in, in the channel i'll yeah. be honest it, they're, they're not, i just don't know if they're really relevant nowadays i think the way mm -hmm. that people like to learn that it's often mm -hmm. story based they want something that they can yeah. relate to um and having a corporate slide deck is very important at the top levels mm -hmm. i absolutely understand that need but when it comes to getting people to get on board and mm -hmm. come around to our way of thinking perhaps realizing mm -hmm. what else is out there and seeing seeing the broader view of cybersecurity and the threats that are out there and what's happening in the world. Um, mm. I think, I think there's a certain approach there that needs, there's a gap that needs filling and I'd love to fill that gap. And I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that in the very near future, uh, that, that might lead to something. So yeah, fingers crossed. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's it. You've got to put it out there. Haven't yeah. you? Basically. Um, yeah. Well, that's been fantastic. Um, any final comments or advice for let's say, well, you know, if you want to get into cybersecurity, you want to be looking for GCHQ adverts. Um, <laughs> but any initial, I guess, kind of uh, guidance, if there is someone that's saying, I want to get into cybersecurity, but I don't know where to start. Yeah, I think, um, you know, easily accessible and often for free are the vendor certifications and accreditations. Um, yeah. Again, not necessarily industry recognized or sort of, uh, you know, academic accreditations and qualifications, but the vendors certainly have some pretty decent uh, training programs out there. Um, and we as TD Cynics have an academy as well. So if partners want to learn more, uh, we have an academy where people can sign up and do some training. And even even listening to my episodes around cybersecurity will, will help inform a lot of people about things that they didn't necessarily understand or understand was a threat so um there are loads of sources out there um and happy to help in any way i can but um yeah i think the the last message i would like to say to any parent that's dealing with with uh, the children at universities you know never be afraid of just sitting down and, and doing that little review of where you're at you know what what's happening and where are they at where you know what have they obtained so far because if it's not working out for them to be able to mm. change direction, change path. Um, don't be afraid of exploring what opportunities are out there um, mm. and just find the right environment in which 
every one of us as individuals can succeed um i, I promise you it works you know <laughs> it's just yeah. just the graft you gotta gotta get, yeah. go and cut your teeth at it awesome well that was really enjoyable thank you so much for your time sam yeah thanks so much for having me on tony i really appreciate it it's been lovely to speak to you about it great thank you